welcome to another episode of Keeping It Rail. While you listen to this podcast and think about the topics we'll explore, remember that the areas you're moving into are always most important. Always prepare for what you're about to do and always know what's happening while you're doing it. That's how you move to protect others and yourself. Now, from headquarters, here's our host, Jason Francis. Welcome to another episode of Keeping It Rail. Who do we got today, Travis? We have Brian Murphy. He's one of our fleet operations managers out of Gary for our van group. So, Brian, we're all kind of curious. What is a fleet operations manager? Uh, <laughs> do a lot of different things. Uh, the I guess the Reader's Digest version of it would be that I am the manager of the fleet managers. Um, I'm kind of the go-between between the directors and the fleet managers. Um, I'm responsible for the fleet managers. They report to me and... I'm also responsible for the drivers that report to the fleet managers. So a lot of different things, uh, safety, obviously, retention, productivity. Right on. How long have you been at rail? It will be 13 years in September. And I'm assuming you worked your way up to being a fleet operations manager. How? Where did you start? I um, actually spent 18 years with Roadway Express. Um I did a lot of different things. I actually ran a terminal for them for a while. And then uh, I never thought I would leave there. I thought I'd be there for my whole career. At the time, I have I have three children, but both my daughters were very active in softball, and they were traveling all over the country. In fact, both of them actually played college softball Division One, so they're pretty good players. And at the time, I was coaching girls softball, and our – Schedules changed when I was working a roadway. It was LTL. Uh, so I was running the whole city operation at that time. And we were having some issues. And we had a new manager come in. And he asked me if I'd go to Knights. So I told him I would. I went to Knights on a kind of a handshake deal that I'd work Knights for three months. And then after that, I would go back to my regular day position, which I'd worked my way up to. And after the three months came up, uh, he told me that he needed me to stay on Knights already committed to coaching this travel girl softball team and uh it was like i said it was pretty high level so there was a lot of traveling a lot of money involved hotels we were going all over the country this was a 12 year old team which actually not to pat the kids on the back because it wasn't me we had a ton of talent but we actually won nationals as 12 year olds down in gatlinburg tennessee which was pretty cool got a trophy bigger than uh probably both of you guys combined but anyway I, uh, I told him it wasn't going to work, and I would look for a new job if, if they wouldn't get me off of nights. And uh, I had a recruiter call me, and I ended up leaving and going, and I ran a garbage company for about three years for Republic Services. And unfortunately, we combined. We bought Allied Waste, and um, basically my boss's job got eliminated, and he bounced into my job. And I had kind of a funny story. I had interviewed with a woman named Mabel Brzezines. I don't know how long y'all have been here, but she was here in recruiting at the time. This was before when I knew I was leaving roadway, I had interviewed with her and I had, they had offered me a job and I I turned them down because I went to Republic. It's a 
still better opportunity at that time. So after three and a half years, I called Mabel up and I said, hey, if you're still interested, and she started laughing. And then she said, who is this? And they ended up setting up an interview and I came back, I interviewed and I came in as a fleet manager. I was a fleet manager for about almost three years. Um, first board I got was Midwest regional. We had at the time one driver and we built it up to 75 drivers on that board. I was a fleet manager for about three and a half years and I've been an FOM for about 10 years now. What'd you do before that, before you got into this industry? All right. So, um, I went, I went to college. I went to Eastern Illinois, Eastern Illinois University. I went there for um, a year. I Every part of college I loved, I, I loved every aspect of it except going to school. Um, the, the college life was for me, man. The school part wasn't. So I went down and I played hockey at Eastern Illinois. I was a hockey player. And my dad was a Marine. And after a year, he told me either you're going to get a job or you're going to become a Marine. And uh, I didn't, at that time, wasn't ready to go into service or anything like that. I had played football in high school, and I played football with uh, a family whose grandfather owned a beer distributorship outside Chicago. And in the summer, we'd have football practice twice, three days a week, two days a week we wouldn't, and they would let us work on the beer trucks. So I was like 16 years old. I'm hanging off the back of a beer truck, making about 10 bucks an hour. So once I got out of college or college got out of me, whatever it was, I ended up coming up here and I got a job driving a beer truck as a union beer driver in Chicago. And I did that from the time I was about 19 and a half till I was about 23 for almost, almost four years. And uh, we went on strike and, and I was blown away by that, that, I mean, I was, well, that, was a, that was the teamsters then. That was the teamsters. And I, I couldn't believe we were going on strike. I mean, I ended up moving down to Florida with, with a girl and then uh, we ended up getting married in Florida. We had two daughters down in Florida. We lived down there right outside of Tampa for about six and a half years. I did construction down there. And then um, my wife wanted to come back up here. We had no help with the kids. They were little. And uh, her uncle worked at Roadway. And he got me that job. Where I came out. Actually, I flew up one day. I interviewed, flew back, and then uh, we ended up moving up here. So, And then we have another son that we had up here. But... Yeah, that's kind of how uh, it's kind of how I did it. Right on the uh, college thing. I I missed the whole college thing. I I went. I made that right turn where you went left, and I went into the service. So, oh, <laughs> it was it was a fun time too. So yeah, I I think at that time in my life, had I gone in the military, I, I mean, I'm sure they would straighten me out, but uh, I was not ready for any kind of discipline at that time. So right on. So. Back to uh, your current role, what are some things that drivers can do to help us out here? I mean, what are some of the challenges that we face right now? Well, right now in this industry, it is, uh, it's tough. It's, it's some of the toughest freight markets I've seen. And I've been, as I told you guys earlier and everybody, I've been in this industry a long time. From about 2017 to about 2020, you saw some of the best freight this country's ever seen. You could get the rates you wanted. You could turn down loads that you didn't want. You could be very selective, and, and everybody did well. Um, COVID was probably the greatest thing that happened to the trucking industry. Not to the world, but obviously but to the trucking industry. Uh, consumer goods were up. Everybody was, was buying everything, and we were just shipping so much freight. As 
since about mid 2000, about the end of 2021, freight is starting to tighten up right now. The the one thing I can say, and and I and I mean this sincerely, freight's tough out there for everybody. Uh, the one thing I I can tell drivers or people, anybody listening to this, we there are drivers sometimes that are not getting loads. There are drivers that are sitting in certain areas just because freight's bad. Do the loads that are that are given to you. Always think, and please always think this, nobody benefits from a truck sitting. It doesn't help the company, doesn't help fleet management, obviously it doesn't help the driver. So, you know, when you're looking going, oh, I, I only, or, you know, I want this load that has better miles. One of the best things we did is we went to what we call mileage bands, where because the miles aren't as good as they used to be, the rate's higher for the less miles that you do. So an undesirable load, as you look at it, is not the miles, there's still some compensation for less miles. So what, what I could tell people is please be a little patient. Please understand that the, the goal is to always keep everybody moving. But if that's the load that we have, that is all we have. And that's the best that we have for you. So please do what's given to you. We'll never ask you to do anything illegal or unsafe, but the freight market is a lot different than it was a few years ago. And it's tough out there. You mentioned that uh, compensation for the shorter freight. How does that work? So the, the way it's done now is regional drivers and national drivers, if they haul any any live load that they have under 200 miles, they will get $30 automatically just for that live load pay. Also, it, base, it balances out to, and I don't have a chart in front of me, and I apologize for that. That's fine. Um, we don't need specifics. But let's say you do something combined miles, zero to 50 miles say that those combined miles were 20 empty and 28 loaded 48 miles whatever the chart falls into for where you'd be at 48 miles so it might pay a dollar 40 a mile for those 48 miles where the longer miles you go the lower the mileage rate is so it tries to make a fair playing field for everybody doing something and it breaks all the way down it gets to a certain cap i want to say over 300 miles is say 70 cents a mile and i don't know the exact numbers but and then it's also based, the your charts jump for the amount of seniority you have. So, for instance, somebody who has 10 years doing a load that's 110 miles and it falls in a window of 100 to 150 miles might make a certain rate versus somebody who's been here five years doesn't make as high a rate for those miles. That's basically a sliding scale, basically, and that's, that's really cool. Yeah, that's exactly that you call it a mileage band sliding scale? I think recruiting refers to it more as a sliding scale. When it came in here, we called it uh, mileage band. So I'm kind of stuck on that still. So, but yeah. Right on. I just was uh, trying to get the gist of it for the people that are listening there. Um, nobody wants to do those. As a former driver, nobody wants to do those little short ones. But getting a dollar forty a mile for one or something like that that makes it a lot more appealing, doesn't it? <laughs> It does. It does. And, and, you know, and just like you said, I, I actually, I didn't know you were a former driver, so that's interesting. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it's kind of a hard sell to tell somebody, Hey, you're only going to get 200 miles today where, you know, you're used to getting 500 miles every day. It's a tough sell, but when you can explain it, that you will make comp better compensation because you're running less miles, it, it, it is a helpful thing. Yeah. I was a driver here at rail for, I don't know, seven years. I was a, I was a Brock driver. I worked for a small company over in Vesper here that rail bought out. 
So suddenly I was drafted. I tell everybody. <laughs> no, I did. Uh, I did some leadership foundations years ago with Scott Brock. I know Scott. Yeah. 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 I was there for like 11 years and then here now for another 10 years. So between the two of them, about 20 years, um, been driving since 1990. So, Oh, wow. Wait a few years under my belt and a lot of miles. So, well, I couldn't, um, I never, I never went over the road. Like I said, I drove a beer truck in Chicago. Um, and, and I, I never had an accident and I was, but I was a really crappy. I couldn't back that thing up to save my life. I can never get the concept to turn left to go right. Like my brain doesn't operate like that. So I always tell people, if you want me to put your boat in the water, I'll get it in there, but put some sunscreen on. It'll take me a while to get it in there, but I will get it in there. <laughs> yeah, I just, so I what I would do is I would pull as far away as I could or I didn't have to back, and I would just put beer on two-wheelers and just run with it, man. So that, that's how I did it. And then about two months into it, I had come back in one day, and my shirt was filthy, and I was sweating and just, just beat up and just old guy super old man he's probably got he been delivering beer for like 35 years and he had like the old beer guy look he bad knees and hunched over and he came up to me and he said you don't know how to drive that thing do you and i said no and he says uh come in saturday he put his arm around me and he said i'll teach you how to back it up so he gave me the basics of it but yeah i just was never good at that so i give people a lot of credit man people don't realize how tough it is driving a truck yeah you got anything else you want to ask Travis? What else is like a hot topic right now that would be good to get out there for those drivers that are driving and listening right now? The the biggest hot topic out there I, I kind of talked about was just the freight levels and, and how things are. Um, we have a lot of drivers that have come back to rail where, where they've left and You've got to think of it this way also. If if we're slow, everybody's slow. Um, we do the same thing as a Schneider, as a Warner, you know, as a Swift. We're over-the-road trucking companies. The trucking companies that are probably doing a little better right now are the ones that have probably a little more dedicated freight. As far as safety-wise, you know, they just we just changed the split logging. Uh, I should have went out to all the drivers, anybody who, who's listening to this, you should have got a video where now you can split log seven and three versus eight and two. Hopefully that helps some drivers out. Um, another thing that's, that's another hot topic in the industry right now are, are the uh, e-logs where you can, on, you know, with our company, we keep them in the trucks, but it can be conveyed to your phone where you can show it. Um, those are probably the two of the hotter things right now, uh, in my opinion. We have that where it's conveyed to your phone now on the app. You can you can just right. show the officer your phone. So. Yep, the MyRail app. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, and I, you know, I'm not really. Uh, I'm a little older, so I kind of miss the technologically savvy industry. You know, when I when I went to school, it was everybody was hunting and pecking on typewriters. You know, the computers weren't even around. They were like, I don't know. I'll I'll, I'll date myself, but there's a movie called War Games. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that. Matthew yeah, Broderick, but, right? Yes. And the computers in there are like the size of a semi, you know, now what you see. And, and that's kind of the era I grew up in. So, you know, apps and stuff like that, I'm not real savvy with, uh, but I can navigate through that. So for those of you out there that are in my boat and my age, it is doable. 
I still do type with two fingers though. So as I tell everybody, if you get an email from me, that's more than three sentences, please read it. I put a lot of work into that. <laughs> yeah, and that app is easy to find. Uh, go, yeah. to your, go to the app store on the Android service or the Apple service. Yep. You can download yep. it for free. Download it for free. There's a lot of good tools on that app. That's for sure. Working for us. You're at a very good place right now in trucking because there's a lot of places that are not as well off as we are or doing as well as we are. Right on. So veering off of the topic of rail, what do you like to do on your free time? Well, we uh, we just had our first grandchild. Uh, she does spend a lot of time at our house. My daughter is a nurse and her husband's a police officer, so they have kind of weird schedules. So we pitch in as much as we can. Um I like to play golf. I've played a lot of golf. I gave up playing hockey years ago. I've had too many surgeries and I'm afraid to fall. So I, the last time I played hockey was probably 20 years ago in a men's league and I don't do that anymore, but I do like to play golf. Um, I am decent at it. I can play well and I can play horrible. I'm like probably most golfers. I can string together probably three or four pars then take a nine and then throw a birdie in there. So my scores don't really reflect, but I'm a pretty decent golfer. I like to do that. Uh, big White Sox fan, which is tough to be. Big Bears fan, which is tough to be. Uh, uh, I know I'm, really. talking, I'm talking to some Packer fans up there. So You're, you're okay, living in Chicago, yeah. so it's okay if you like the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Aaron Rodgers, what happened there? Uh, I'll just I leave don't... it at that. Uh, know, but yeah, I'm, I'm a big sports fan. I grew up playing sports. My kids played sports. Like I said, both my daughters played college softball. My son played hockey at uh, a small Purdue school. So yeah, yeah. I just really, really into sports. Um, that's really about it. Um, you know, keep the, we have a pretty nice house with, you know, I'm not, uh, I wouldn't say I got a green thumb, but I don't have a brown one. Um, you know, a lot of gardening and stuff then? I don't know if I garden. Um, I do a lot of, uh, I don't know, edging, trimming, stuff like that. But uh, I, I don't cut my grass. I have somebody do that just because my back is killing me right now. But uh, besides that, yeah, that's yeah, pretty, pretty much around the house. Uh, play a little golf in the in the summer. In the winter, um, not not really much, to be honest. It is a little hard to, a little hard to ice fish down there. Yeah. Them, them flatlanders down there don't got no solid ice down there, eh? I, uh, <laughs> I, I ice fished once in my life, and I had a blast doing it. We went up to uh, Glenny, Michigan, in the Huron National Forest. I got some buddies of mine to get a little cottage up there, and we stayed there and did the whole thing with the shanty and went out and drilled holes with an auger, and we were ready to slay them. We didn't catch anything. So – there was another guy, a local guy from up there that was probably a hundred yards from us and he caught like 15 fish. So we went out the next day and we fished in his holes and caught nothing. So yeah, yeah, yeah we weren't real good ice fishermen. My son is a very avid fisherman. He likes bass fishing and he actually lives down in Florida right now. And he has um, sent me some videos of some fish that he's caught down there. So he's catching some big bass down. He lives right outside of, uh, Fort Lauderdale lives in Davie, Florida. So oh, he's got a lot of fishing down there. Yeah. Catching them sea bass. Oh yeah. Yeah. He catches some big ones down there, but uh, I'm, yeah, I, I like fishing too. I just don't get opportunity to do it as much as I used to. I'm obsessed. We bought a pontoon boat this last fall, me and my wife. And it, 
came with the whole fishing package on it and everything, you know, and I'm just every every chance it gets above fifty degrees, I'm out there, you know. <laughs> can't can't get enough of it. What do you like it's to so, fish for? I love I'm I'm a big bass guy. I know that the pontoon boat is not exactly the ideal platform, but I wanted a bass boat, the wife wanted a pontoon boat, so I'm fishing off a pontoon boat. So <laughs> um but yeah, we went out this week. We went out this weekend, me and my wife, and she caught a bunch of bluegills, bass. It's a little early for the bass yet. You could see they were getting ready to spawn, but they're they're not. They weren't hitting very hard. So. And Brian, what do you like to fish for? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something here, and I hope I don't expose somebody from rail. But there is a recruiter up there named Dwayne Swan, who's I like a lot, and he has taken me up to a private lake that he has up just north of rice lake up there by chippewa falls and uh i got pretty spoiled with him up there catching bass that uh that's a lot of fun man so i hope those of you that know Dwayne, if you ask him if you can go to please tell him that you didn't hear this from me but uh <laughs> no that uh i don't know if you guys ever talk fishing with Dwayne, but he knows his stuff pretty good but uh i like fishing for bass okay bluegill um down here we really don't have I mean, we have crappie. Um, I'm not really, I don't really care for catfish much, but a lot of people fish for catfish out here. But we're, I mean, from the Gary Terminal, we're only four minutes from Lake Michigan here. So, I mean, you can go out to Lake Michigan and I have, my wife's uncle has a very big boat. We'll go out there and we'll go perch fishing and go salmon fishing every once in a while too. You ever, have you ever chartered a boat and gone salmon fishing there? That's, that's fantastic. I love that. I have chartered a boat in the Florida Keys and gone marlin fishing. Um, I have better. never chartered one out of the lakes up here, uh, but we did actually go up to um, uh, some drawing a blank. It's in, um, let me think about this. It's up right in Lake. You fish actually in Lake Huron. Uh, it's in northern point of Michigan. We trolled for lake trout and we caught our, our limit right away. We got uh, a couple of big salmon out of there too. It, w- it was a lot of fun. Um, yep. I know the name of the boat was the chum boat, which, which <laughs> or the chum bucket, excuse me, which I thought was kind of cool from SpongeBob. And this Dude. guy took us out there, um, cleaned all the fish. Uh, it was pretty reasonable in price, but uh, God, I'm drawing a blank on where it was too. Second we're done, I, I'm sure I'll remember it. But of course, so, yeah, I've, chartered, works. I've chartered a few boats. But right never on my... one on Lake Michigan because, like I said, I know people that have boats, so I'm pretty lucky as far as that goes. Right on. When when I was younger, my dad had a boat over on Lake Michigan there by Two Rivers, and then he moved it down to Manitowoc. There we 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 went went out there all the time, and then I've chartered a boat a couple of times with some friends of mine. We always catch a ton of salmon and trout out there on the lake. It's fun, good times. Yep. That is for sure. Now I'm actually hitting the Google machine right now. The Google machine. Yeah, he's gonna pull up the name of that uh, fishing spot, huh? Yeah, I am. <laughs> well, that marlin fishing sounds like some big time fishing. You yeah. know what? It, uh, it's I I think it's like the uh, par for the course for me. And I know we were talking golf, but uh, we went out there. We went to um, we we're down in the Florida Keys. We we're in a one of the keys called Isla Mirada. It's about the third key. And um, we went out there, and there was a huge, huge arena or uh, marina. Everybody went out, and they all had different names. It was like the Marlin Slayer and, you know, the Catch the Biggest Fish and, you know, Blue Marlin Winner and all this other stuff. 
and they all get on radios and they're telling each other, you know, it's almost like if you ever watched that show uh, about the tuna, I don't know what you guys ever see that one. Wicked tuna. It's a oh, show. Yeah. Okay. It's almost like that where they all talk to each other and in a whole time, Everybody was catching Marlin. Of course, us. We didn't. We caught a bonita, one fish, and, and it was it was like eighteen hundred bucks for four hours for like three guys. It was out. It was six hundred bucks a guy for four hours, and yeah, we didn't get anything. Oh, and you caught one fish. <laughs> we caught one fish, and it wasn't a big one either. Right on. Should have got a discount. Yeah, I actually asked for that, and they laughed at me. So, ain't no guarantees in there when you're on that uh-huh. business. That's for sure. Alpina. Got Alpina. it. Alpina. Alpina, yeah. Michigan. If anybody wants to go up there, it's called the Chum Bucket. And if you Google that or look at this guy on Facebook, his name is Steve. And one of my buddies has probably fished with him 20 times now. The one who has the cabin in Glenny. Uh, I recommend that to anybody who wants to go fishing. He took his 78-year-old mom on there. and There's pictures of her catching fish. Good time. Right on. Alpina, Michigan. Fantastic. So we've been, I don't know if you've been listening to the podcast at all. We've been asking a question of our guests every week. If you could have a dinner party with three people, anybody in the world, alive or dead, who would that, who would those three people be and why? Well, the first one would be Mick Jagger because Mick Jagger's cool and the Stones are the greatest rock and roll band of all time. So Mick Jagger for sure. Um, I'm a golfer. So most people would say probably Tiger Woods, but it wouldn't be Tiger Woods for me. I would go with Jack Nicholas. Yes. Because he's been around the longest. He holds the best records. The third, huh? Okay, so I'm, I got Mick Jagger, Jack Nicholas. I got to spice it up a little bit. Uh, I think Conor McGregor would be fun to hang out with. The MMA fighter? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be an interesting dinner party there huh that sure would isn't jack which i'm not super familiar with golfers but one of them's got a reputation of being quite all mouth and loud is that him no 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 he's like the exact opposite he's like the who, father of golf who am i thinking of then probably phil mickelson eh, could be i don't know there's just memes all over the internet some golf guy breaking his clubs all the time all the time <laughs> oh yeah I, you know it's funny I like I said I played a lot of golf and uh, I don't do that years ago I used to I'd get mad and throw clubs and do all that but uh, I don't do that at all anymore I'm just happy to be out there but uh, I played with my wife's uncle who was just a phenomenal golfer and I'll never forget it he got pissed off and threw his club went right over a hill and all he saw was a splash I laughed so hard <laughs> didn't know there was a lake on the other side and oh, that was great so we shouldn't blame the tools right Huh? We shouldn't blame the tools. Okay, so I told you I coached girls softball for years, right? Years. Now, you can buy a $300 bat, okay, or a $400 composite softball bat. If you hit it, it's probably going to go a little farther, but you still got to be able to hit it, okay? That's like all these people that that buy, you know, brand-new golf clubs and $2,000 irons and $600 drivers. Yeah, it's going to make you better if, if you can hit it, but you still got to be able to hit it. So, yeah, the tools help, but you still got to you got to have the talent to do it. Oh, I that, can hit it. I can hit it, but getting it to go in the right direction, <laughs> now that's a whole different story. 
Yeah, I, I remember coaching kids when they were little, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. I mean, I coached Pop Warner football. I coached wrestling. I coached hockey. Did the softball thing. I coached soccer. Didn't know anything about soccer in my life. But I kind of turned it into, like, hockey, where I made the field shorter like you do with ice. And actually, believe it or not, I was successful at soccer, and it wasn't because I knew anything at all. Um, But, you know, that being said, I remember, you know, the parents – you know, I just, I just bought her this new bat. I'm like, okay, we still can't hit. You know, we need to work on the fundamentals of hitting, and then maybe the bat will be a better tool in her uh, tool belt. So, yeah. anyway. I used to, I used to caddy a little bit when I was a high school or junior high. You know, I went to I worked at one of the local golf courses caddying, and every once in a while they'd tell me to hit the dang ball, and I'd hit it, and it would go hundreds of yards, but almost always in the wrong direction. So <laughs> you, uh, you ever see that movie Caddyshack? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Classic. Yeah. Absolute classic. So we got, we about done here, Travis. Or I think so. What do you think? I think so. Thanks for being here, Brian. Jason, you want to close us off? Sure. Thank you all for listening to another episode of keeping it rail. Stay safe out there. Do things the railway. Keep the shiny side up and the dirty side down. Nice. Thank you, Brian. All right. Goodbye, everybody.